Well, listen, if you're visiting with us for the first time, and this is your very first weekend, let me especially tell you welcome, and just let you know we've been in a series. We've been in this series looking at Simon Peter's life, and we've been calling this series Common People, Uncommon God. And so we've been looking at Simon Peter's life because Simon Peter was a lot like us. I mean, he was transparent. He was authentic. I mean, he had a lot of those what was I thinking moments. And why did I say that? Uh, What was I thinking when I said that? What was I thinking when I did that? Fact is, Simon Peter had some major regrets in his life. Next week, we're going to begin looking at at his greatest regret. And then the following week, we're going to come back and look at how Christ restored him. If you've ever had any great regrets in your life and things that you needed Christ to restore you from, then tomorrow or next week, maybe tomorrow, maybe we'll just preach it tomorrow. Next week would be the time to be there. And so we're looking at this issue of Simon Peter's life, and we're going to talk about uncommon courage and the common courage that he had. If you're like me, what draws you to Simon Peter is he was just transparent and he was just, he was just authentic and he was just, he was real. I had a pastor friend that I was talking to this last week. He's at another church and we were talking. He says, you know what, Charlie? He said, I had this lady come up to me after one of the services and say, you know, pastor, I got to tell you this. I've had a lot, I've had a lot of pastors in my life and they all have told me that they're just not perfect people. But you know what? You're the first one that I've believed. You know, there's something, there's something about someone that lives their life in authenticity and lives their life out in front of others to where people not only know they're not perfect, but, but they understand that they're not perfect because they live their life and they do life with them. Simon Peter, he had moments of greatness. I mean, when he preached at Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved, he was like the spokesperson of the twelve. He was in the inner circle with James and John and together they kind of fought for the affection of Jesus. And, and then he had some of those moments like, what was I thinking? Remember when the guys got together and started arguing and wondering over who Jesus liked the most. There were times in Simon Peter's life where he had great faith and great courage. And other times that he dealt with doubt and he struggled with doubt. There were times that he had courage and there was times that he was timid. There was times that he was self-seeking and only cared about himself. But there were other times that he was like, he was like self-sacrificing. There were times that it seems like his spiritual perspective changed. To where at one moment he was really spiritually aware and he got it and he got it really quickly. But there were other times that he missed the spiritual meaning and just kind of went over his head. There were times that he just got it spiritually, like, like the time when he, and we've looked at this, like the time that he identified Christ before any of the other disciples. And he said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. Hours later, he told a girl by fire, I don't even know him. And he denied him. Man, when we walk through Simon Peter's life, we realize that this uncommon courage doesn't come to us overnight. Uncommon courage is developed in your life and it's developed in my life over a lifetime of following him and over a lifetime of trusting him. And to where Simon Peter developed this uncommon courage to where all of a sudden you see something different in his life and he begins preaching bold messages. He begins radically, you know, with abandonment, just following Christ, and he dies a martyr's death. Simon Peter developed this over time, but he had to deal with this issue of fear. Let me tell you something. Fear will paralyze your potential in Christ. Fear will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. 
And we just need to understand that tonight or this morning that fear, if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, fear, fear will rule you in your life and it will keep you from the potential that God has for you. Every one of us has to deal with, with, with fear in our life. And, and they tell us that babies are only born with, with two fears. You realize that, right? And every other fear outside of these two are learned many times, unfortunately, from our parents. I mean, I grew up with a lot of the same fears that my parents had because I was living in their house. But fear is developed and learned over, period, over a period of time. See, babies are only, only born with two fears that are natural to them, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And if you and I are not careful, the fear that we develop in life, the fear that we learn in life, will keep us from our, from our potential that we have in Christ. Whether it's the fear of failure, whether it's the fear of embarrassment, whether it's the fear of injury, whether it's the fear of financial disaster, whether it's the fear, whether it's the fear of death, if we're not careful, fear will destroy us. Now, I understand there, there's, there's healthy fear, right? There's healthy fear that keeps us out of problems. But there's also what Scripture teaches. There's this unhealthy fear that can rule us and can keep us from achieving and doing what God has called us to do. But there, there's some of you here this morning. You may already know your next step in the Christian life. What God is asking you to do right now, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your profession. And what is keeping you from taking the next step? is this issue of fear. And so this morning, we're going to look at the storms of life and how Jesus ministered to the disciples and some of the things that Simon Peter learned in the midst of a storm. Before we do that, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, you can go there, Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to look at, look at Luke chapter 8. You can bookmark that or use the string in your Bible if you're using a Bible. And you can, you can mark Luke chapter 8. Primarily, we're going to be in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to look at this issue of the storm and when Simon Peter and Jesus walked on the water. But before we do that, you need to understand a little bit of the context. You see, Jesus had just finished a miracle. He, he, it was a miracle or feeding the 5,000s. And after the miracle, the crowd began to press in on Jesus. I mean, it was like chaos after they saw what he did. And the crowd began to press in on Jesus. See, they were pressing in on him for the gift and not for the giver. And so there was chaos that was breaking out, and it pushed the disciples up against the lake and up against the sea. And as a result of that, Jesus turned to the disciples, put them in the boat, and says, you guys go on ahead, and I will end the service. I will take care of all the stuff. I'll dismiss the crowds. You just guys get out of here. So those three principles that we need to grab tonight are today that Simon Peter understood about this issue of courage or the power of courage or developing uncommon courage in your life. The first thing that we got to understand is this. Storms come when we are in the will of God. We just got to get that. We just got to understand that. Listen, just because you go through a storm does not mean you're in sin. Just because you go through a storm does not mean you're outside the will of God. Storms come. And we just need storms come. Even when we're in the will of God, watch this. Let's just pick up the story. We'll read through this. We'll apply some things. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, right after the miracle, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So stop right there. That word made in the English really doesn't communicate what it means in the Greek to us. In the Greek, that word 
that we use the English word made for the Greek word, the Greek word means this, with force. In other words, Jesus didn't give them an option. Jesus didn't even give them a choice. In other words, that word made in the Greek is he, he forcibly forced them. It's almost the picture like he, he pushed them into the boat. He forced them into the boat. Did he not know the storm was coming? Of course he did. He is God. Storms come. Storms come even when you're in the will of God. Man, I understand some storms we cause, whether it's from a, a decision we made, a consequence to a sin. I get that. I understand that. But I'm also telling you that some storms come when we're in the will of God because he wants to deepen us. He wants to deepen our character and our trust. And so he puts the disciples in the boat and they start out for the other side. Verse 23. And so after he ended the service and dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up to a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was, was against them. Now, if you spend any time on the lake, and, and I was raised in, in Texas where, where lakes are much different than the lakes we have here. I mean, most lakes that we have here, you can see to the other side. I mean, they're relatively small compared to the lakes that we have in, in Texas. And so my dad was in the Navy, and he loved the water, and there was something special to him about the water. And so we spent a lot of time on big lakes in Texas. And so everybody knows that if you spend time on the water, you know that the most feared thing of a fisherman, the most feared thing of someone that is on a lake, is what? It's wind. They get that, and they understand that. Now, these are fishermen, so they understand how dangerous the wind is. And the difficulty that can come as a result of that. I, I, I want you to see this, that there's something different about this storm. And I need to tell you, maybe you already know this. No two storms in your life are the same. Storms are multifaceted. Doesn't it frustrate you? It has me. That you go to a, through a storm and you think, I got this, I, I got this. And then you go through another storm and it's totally different, has a different personality, has a different situation. Oh, and can I tell you this? Your storms are not the same as your husband's storms, your wife's storms, your friend's storms. No two storms are the same. But here's the great news. The principles are the same of getting out of the storm. See, all you have to know are the principles. Because no two storms, and we're going to flesh this out in Scripture, but no two storms are the same. And so we must be careful when we're in a storm that we must never judge our spiritual security based upon our circumstances, based upon the winds, based upon the waves, based upon the rain. Listen, our spiritual security is not in our circumstances, and it's not in people. It is him, in him, in him alone. And when you look at Simon Peter, you realize that his focus was on Christ, but it but it changed. And just because you and I, I mean, this is just, just because you and I are walking by faith does not mean that God is going to remove all the obstacles in your life. It's obvious. Jesus could have removed this storm. He could have removed this obstacle in his life. Listen, let me tell you something. Storms, some storms are meant to deepen us. Some storms are meant to deepen us in him because, listen, you do not get uncommon courage. You see someone that radically follows him, they didn't get that uncommon courage overnight. 
They got that uncommon courage by going through storms, applying principles, and he deepened them. He deepened their character. He deepened their, their commitment to him. He deepened their relationship with him. I mean, Jesus is the one that was upfront and honest and said, guess what? In this world, you will have an easy life. No problems. No, he didn't say that, right? He said, in this world, you will have problems. Guess what? In this world, you will have marriage problems. In this world, you will have relational problems. In this world, you will have problems with the economy and a bad economy and all of that other stuff. In this world, you will have problems at the office and at your job. In this world, you will have health issues and problems and issues. But in the midst of a storm, that you can have peace and comfort in Him. So the first thing is this, that we just got to understand about a storm. Storms come, even when we're in the will of God. The second thing is this, when we are exhausted, we will fight fear. Let me tell you something, when you're in a storm and these disciples, it's about three in the morning and we'll get there. They have been fighting the storm all night. They are scared to death with, with, uh, with the wind and everything that is going on. And they are tired. I mean, let me tell you something, just, man, this is for free, Okay. There are some indications of some storms. And it's just so you know when you're in a storm, go back with me to, to verse 24. This is just so, we've we got to get this, and then we'll move on. Okay, so watch this, verse 24. But, by, but the boat, by this time, was a long way from land, being beaten by the waves. And then here's the phrase, for the wind was against them. You know how you know you're in a storm? You know how I know I'm in a storm? When I feel like everything is against me. When I feel like the circumstances are against me, the situations are against me, some people are against me, when I have those feelings, listen, the disciples were being beaten by the waves. That's another indicator of a a storm. You just kind of feel beaten up, right? But it also, another indicator of a storm is this, is it feels like that everybody is against you. Another indicator of a storm is, is this, is that if when you fight exhaustion, when you fight fear, is you can feel like you're not making much progress. You ever felt that in a storm where you just get frustrated, you just get exhausted, and it feels like I am no closer to getting out of this storm than I was last week, than I was last month, or I was last year? Listen, let me tell you something. That sea that they were crossing was four to five miles wide. They had made it well over halfway. They didn't think they were progressing at all through the storm. And there are some storms that are meant to deepen us. And when we feel like everything is against us and when we feel like we're not getting out of it, that's some indicators of a storm. And when we are exhausted, we'll fight fear. Verse 25, let's just keep going. And so in the fourth watch of the night, so that means it's about 3 in the morning, Jesus uh, came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Another word for that is discouraged. You know, when you go through a storm and you feel like everything is against you and you feel like you're not getting, uh, making any progress, then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you will fight discouragement. Listen, we fight fear in life when we are exhausted. And so they were terrified and then and said, it is a ghost. It's a crazy thing when, when Jesus and would show up on the scene that it would give a lot of people fear. And maybe it was because they didn't recognize him. Maybe it's deeper than that. I, I kind of think it's deeper than that. What gave them fear when Jesus would show up is maybe a lot of our fear. 
What if he asked me to change my life? What if he asked me to live in purity? What if he asked me to follow him at a deeper level? What if he changes my life to follow him? And so they said it is a ghost. And then the scripture says, and then they cried out in fear. Let me tell you something. When you're going through a storm, and you feel like everything is against you, and you're not making much progress, and you're getting beaten up, you will fight fear when you have trouble recognizing him in the storm with you. When people get exhausted, and when people get tired, and when people start fighting fear, many times it's because they don't recognize that he is in the storm with you and with them. And he is walking with you. In verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. And so isn't this great? He didn't rebuke them. He didn't get mad at them for their doubt and for their fear and all that other stuff. He spoke into their fears. He spoke into their discouragement. So he takes one right after the other. And the first thing he says, look at this. He says, he says take heart. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. And then here's the interesting thing. Then he says, it is I... So I am with you, even in the midst of a storm. See, there's some people that they have trouble when they get discouraged, when they have fear. They have trouble understanding that God is in this with me. So he's speaking to their discouragement. He's letting them know, I am here with you. And then he speaks to their fear, and he says, Do not be afraid, because I am here with you. I think maybe Simon Peter must have been the only one that was encouraged because maybe he remembered a previous storm. Now, I've told you that no two storms are the same, but the principles are the same of walking through the storm. In Luke chapter 8, here's a storm that is similar but different. And so the scripture says this, verse 23, And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So they're in the boat, they're on the lake again. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So now they're in another storm. So that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was in the boat, but he was asleep. See, this other storm, it seemed to be he was absent. This storm, he seems to be with them, but doesn't care. And so, and so they went and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And so he said to them, Why are you afraid? So he speaks into their fear. Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose, rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him I'm telling you the more storms you and I walk through uncommon courage does not happen overnight the more storms the more difficulty that you and I walk through because storms are meant to deepen you and the more storms that we walk through and the, and the more times that we apply his principles to our life and we see that he's faithful deepen us No two storms are the same, but the principles are. The last thing is this, that it taught Simon Peter about the power of courage is this. It's just so huge that we overcome fear by obedience. We overcome fear 
But you want to overcome fear in your life? If you have fear in your life right now, if you're going through a storm in, in your life right now, and you have fear and you're exhausted, I'm going to tell you what. The way that you overcome it, what Scripture says, is by being obedient to Him. Take the next step and just follow him. So verse 28, it says, and so and Peter said, so Jesus is walking up to the boat. Here's what, Jesus, well, here's what Simon Peter says. Lord, remember, Jesus already said, it is I, right? You got that. You remember that? Okay. So and Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. Now listen, there's a lot of people that make fun of Simon Peter for this statement. That's crazy. Why would he say, if it is you? Jesus has already said, it is I. So why would you say, it is you? This is just a huge spiritual principle that if we gloss over, we'll miss it. And here's what, Jesus was, here's what Simon Peter was doing. When he said, Lord, if it is you, he was making sure of the basis of his faith. Where he was placing his faith. Listen, your faith and my faith is not in the boat. It's not in the wind. It's not in the waves. It's not in the other disciples in the boat. It's not in your friends. It's not even the basis of your faith. It's not even in you. See, the reason that Simon Peter asked that question is he wanted to be, a, he wanted to be sure. He needed a word from God. He wanted to hear from him. He said, Lord, if it is you. And the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't even answer that. Jesus just gives him a word. Jesus, because Jesus was telling Simon Peter, the way that you get rid of your fear is by obedience, is by just doing what I've told you to do. And so he goes on, he says, and so he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, Jesus said, come. Didn't even answer the question. Here's your word. Every one of us has a next step in the Christian life. Can you imagine what it was like in the boat? Because here, so Peter got out of the boat. The waves are going. The waves are beating the boat. The wind is blowing. It's raining. And he walked on water and he came to Jesus. Can you imagine the other disciples in that boat? I mean, if I was Simon Peter, when I would step out of that boat I'm testing the water right and can you imagine his brother Andrew and all the other disciples that had seen all of his what was I thinking moments and they're laughing here he goes again we're going to watch him drown we're going to watch him sink and Simon Peter tests the water and he stepped out listen let me just tell you something if you're going to have uncommon courage, if you're going to walk in faith, there will be people around you that will make fun of you and laugh at you. When we left Houston, Texas to come here and plant this church, we had hundreds of friends in our church that laughed at us and made fun of us and said it would never work. When we came here, we had other, another group of people that said a church like this would never work in Pueblo, Colorado. And look at us now. I'm telling you, if you're going to have uncommon courage, it is trusting Him. And it is knowing that your faith is not in what the disciples are saying, not in what your friends are saying. It's not in the boat. See, Simon Peter was making sure of the security of his faith. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he 
came to Christ. Listen, let me tell you something. Obedience is critical of you overcoming fear in your life. Last night during during worship, uh, God just started communicating a, a principle just out of his word to me. And I just started thinking about this thought, and I didn't want to forget it, and so I ran over and got a spiritual decision card and wrote it on the back. And I just wrote this statement that, that faith that allows you and I to make that decision, faith that allows us to step out of the boat, will not keep you on the water. Your faith has to continue to grow. The faith that it took for us to make the decision to move our family and come to Pueblo, Colorado wasn't enough to keep us here. We went through storms and difficulty. I'm telling you. That's why Jesus said in Colossians that the way and manner in which that you received him, you progress in him, you continue. How did you receive him? By faith. How do you live? By faith. Obedience overcomes fear. So many people, it gives them fear because they're worried about the wind, and it's really not the wind because you can't see the wind, but you know what it is? It's the effects of the wind. What is the damage going to be? How, how bad is this going to be? What, what are the casualties be? What? Simon Peter was no different than us. Listen, let me tell you something. If you forget everything that I've told you this morning, and you remember one thing, here's the one thing I do not want you to forget. Do not look where you do not want to go. I know it's simple. I'm a simple person. Do not look where you do not want to go because you will end up there. It's a principle. It's a spiritual principle. It's a principle in, in, in sports. It's a principle uh, in a lot of different arenas. I mean, a football player or a baseball player or a basketball player, they never throw a basketball, a football, or a baseball without what? Without looking towards their target. Right? In golf. I mean, I started playing golf four or five years ago, and, and they tell you, you know what? Where you do not want to hit the ball, do not look. I mean, even when, you know, even when I play golf and on the fairway, there's like a row of houses. And even when I normally don't hit the ball over there, I start getting nervous, right? And I'm saying, don't hit the house, don't hit the house, don't hit the... Your brain hears that as an imperative. Your brain hears that as a command. That's the last command your brain hears. And guess what? You're like, don't hit the house, don't hit the house. I hit the house. In driving, years back, I was leading a, a, a youth at risk ministry, and I couldn't find a bus driver that would drive our, our youth at risk around. We ministered to the Crips and the Bloods and the little cat Latin Kings and a whole group of, of gang members. And so I couldn't find a bus driver that was willing to get in a bus and turn his back to the gang kids and, and drive us somewhere, so I had to get a CDL license. And they taught us in that class that I took that when you lose control of your vehicle, the most dangerous thing for you to do is to not look at the lane that you want to hold and that you've got to force your mind, you've got to force yourself because if you start looking at the rocks and the ditch and the ledge and all that other stuff, you will naturally steer your vehicle towards them. 
in life, spiritually, do not look where you do not want to go. Because you will end up there. Do not look at that temptation. Whether it's someone other than your spouse, whether it's a computer screen, a magazine, a movie, whether it's a situation. Because see, Simon Peter's problem was he looked where he did not want to go. And that's why we can make so many decisions in in the Christian life and never follow through. That we can be in a service like this and we can make a commitment to get baptized. And then we back off. Or in a service like this and we make a commitment to serve Him and to honor Him with our life and our priorities and after this service we, we back off. Or in a service like this, we make a commitment to honor Him with our resources. When the economy gets difficult, things get to, and we back off. Or in a service like this, we make a decision to live life in moral purity. And we back off. And we go through all the what-ifs in life. The most dangerous thing for you and I to do is to look where we do not want to go. You see, Simon Peter overcame his fear by obedience. And Simon Peter began to to sink. And here's a great thing about Simon Peter. When Simon Peter began to sink. He didn't try to swim and make it back to the boat because he didn't see his security in the boat. He didn't call out to the other disciples in the boat and say, hey, I know there's a life ring on the bow. Can you throw me that life ring? Simon Peter didn't even wait till he went down eight, nine, or ten times to where when Jesus would pull him out, he'd have to do CPR. He didn't even wait till Jesus was his last option. Simon Peter got it, and Simon Peter understood that the focus of his faith, the basis of his faith, the focus is Christ. And as soon as he, what the Scripture says, as soon as he began to sink, he cried out. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now listen, one last Greek lesson for the day. Because this word doubt is so critical for us to understand the Greek. It means something a little bit different than it does in the English. The Greek word for the English word doubt means this. Trying to go two different directions at the same time. That's the reason a lot of us have doubt in life. Because we're trying to go two different directions at the same time. See, Simon Peter got it. Simon Peter understand the base of his face was Christ and Christ alone. When you and I try to go two different directions at the same time. Listen, one foot in the word, one foot in the church, and another foot in the world, we will have doubt and we will struggle with doubt. When you're going through a storm in your life and when I'm going through a storm in my life and you're trying to please God but you're trying to please everybody in the boat all at the same time or you're trying to live your life with one set of principles and And then another set of principles. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have doubt every time. 
I met Simon Peter. When he got back to the boat, he was the only one wet in the boat. Listen, I want to be the only one wet in the boat. Because it's totally different for the one that is wet, for the one that has trusted him, for the one that has developed this uncommon courage. I mean, I wonder in the story, I've wondered this all week, what was the best moment for Simon Peter? Was it when Jesus said, come, and he stepped out, and he realized he could walk on water? Was it when Simon Peter walked on water? Was it when Simon Peter began to sink, and he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus grabbed him? Was it when they got back in the boat? You know when I believe it was? When Jesus pulled him up and they walked back to the boat, because see, the storm was still raging. The storm didn't cease till they were in the boat. Don't miss that. When Jesus walked arm in arm with Simon Peter, and in the midst of a storm, he knew peace like he had never known before. That was the best moment for Simon Peter. Verse 32. So when they got into the boat, it's only Simon Peter and Jesus. The wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him. Saying, truly you are the Son of God and the scripture says that they all worshipped him. But I would imagine Simon Peter worshipped at a different level than anybody else in that boat. People that have uncommon courage, they worship at a different level than anyone else in a worship service. That statement that says, and they all worshiped him, is my prayer for this church. That everybody would worship him from the front row to the back row. The deepest form of worship is when you and I realize he's in the room. See, He was in the boat with them. And that word worship means they were undone. It means to place your trust and obedience solely on him. And they worshiped him. When we come together to worship, it is my prayer that we worship the same all of us worship. From the front row to the back row. Oh, and when they say they all worshipped, here's the crazy deal. It just wasn't disciples in that boat. When you read and study this, you realize there, there were other people in that boat. Their worship was a testimony to non believers in the room or in the boat. And people became Christians at that moment because they witnessed the commitment and the manner in which other people worshipped him. 
What would happen in this church if we got it and if we understood that he is in the room with us? And I'm telling you, when, when worship changed for me, is when I had that thought that if Jesus Christ walked through those back doors, walked down this center aisle in a worship service, and stood on this platform and opened up his arms, would I worship him the same way as I am now? People that get it, people that have uncommon courage, worship him knowing that he is in the room. See, uncommon courage comes like Simon Peter's life when it's obedience in the small things that prepares us for the larger things. Do you think you could trust God when your life is on the line? Do you think you could trust God if America became like another country to where Christianity is illegal and there is real persecution? Do you think you could stand for him? Do you think you could trust him when your life is on the line? None of us may really know that for sure, but i tell you a way that you can know for sure. Are you standing for him now? Are you standing for him now in your profession, in your circle of friends, in your community, in your area of influence, when there is like no persecution? Are you standing for him now? Do people around you know your faith? Do people around you know that you are committed to him? Are you able to stand for him now to where really there's not going to be any harm, there's not going to be any persecution? Because I'm telling you, if you cannot stand for him now, when people are praying for you and encouraging you and supporting you, and there is no persecution, guess what? You will never be able to stand for him when your life is on the line. Uncommon courage is walking with him to where you know that your faith is in him and him alone. Your security is in him and him alone. I may be talking to some of you here this morning. But you've gone through a storm. And you've prayed and you've made some commitments and some promises. And you said, God... If you'll just get me through the storm, I'll serve you, I'll live for you. And he got you through the storm. And your eyes have moved. Would you come back to him before it's too late? Some of you may have prayed and prayed and prayed that he would give you a job. And he gave you a job and he blessed you. And you said, Lord, if you give me that job, I will honor you. And I will give him my resources and I'll give him my time and I will follow. And he has done that. But your priorities have changed. Would you come back to him before it's too late? Some of you. You prayed and said, Lord, if you will allow me to marry that person, I will be forever faithful and forever grateful. And now you're griping about the wind. Or your eyes have drifted from him to someone else who is not your spouse. Would you come back to him? Maybe this morning, 
you need to hear one word from him. Come. And you've never really came to him. And you need to ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. This morning is for you. Did you do that? Every one of us in the room has the next step. Uncommon courage is built when we're willing to take the next step.